Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today we're doing something just a little bit different. I've actually brought together a group to do a roundtable on law versus grace and it's not going to be quite what you think but we'll get to that in a minute before we get to that i want to cover uh the housekeeping items first of all this show is about answering life's most difficult questions it started out of my own need it started out of a need to start challenging the status quo start asking the hard questions that the church knows is out there but they don't like to touch And it started out as just my own questions, and then it kind of has evolved into other people's questions and other people's challenges with the status quo um, mainline church. Is this really what it's about? What is this thing about? What about God? Is he even knowable? I mean, just stuff like that. So that's where this show started. You know, that's that's for anyone who might be new here. We've covered a lot of different topics, so you can learn more about that at unresolved.life. Second, for those of you who have been following, I have already started unresolved.news, which is a site devoted to seeking the truth behind the headlines. Um, I post one to two articles a day, and it's become a labor of love. Um, you can check that out at unresolved.news, or, you, or if you're on Unresolved Life, you'll see a link that will send you right over there. And finally, we have started a GoFundMe. The producer, a.k.a. my husband, is actually writing a book called The Other Side of Mandy's Story, and I will have a link in the show notes to uh, give you guys more information on that. And actually, we'll be doing a podcast real soon on that topic uh, in the near future. So. Um, so let's get to the the content. I want to first introduce, as as I already mentioned, the co host. Well, I guess he is for this one, and he's been he's been on for a few shows. So, um, I'm the Michael, incognito one. <laughs> yeah, well, he kind of hides in the background every once in a while. He pops his head up when I can get him on the show. You know, uh, Michael. <laughs> He's also my husband, so he knows I'm giving him grief. Why? Because I can. Hey, you know, uh, 12 plus years of marriage kind of gives you that license. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Second, I want to introduce Landra. Landra, you guys have heard about her or heard of her, and she has done a lot on the Jewish feast. And if you haven't, Going back to listen to those, I'm telling you, that is some killer stuff. And it is stuff that everybody needs to just sit back and listen to. Um, and we have some great white papers that go along with it, too. Yes, we do. Um, that were written by Landra. And it's just it's been a real pleasure uh, digging into some of that. So, Landra, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And certainly, last but not least, we have Sonda Allison, who uh, runs Mortal Ministries and who specializes in spiritual warfare, discipleship, and counseling. And you you guys, this is she's also no stranger to this show. Um, Sonda, welcome to the show. And she has the notoriety of being our first guest host ever. Uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. I forgot about that. Oh, it's always good to be with you. And I'm really looking forward to this roundtable today. This is going to be great. Oh, yes, it is. I, I can't wait. I'm so, excited. So here's the thing. I'll let Mike get into the details of it, but this roundtable is going to kick around what some might say are are two opposing ideas, law versus grace, and neither the two shall meet, (laughs) or maybe so. (laughs) Michael, you want to kind of dig a little more into that one? Well, what what do we start with how these questions kind kind of arose? One of the things that Teresa and I have been doing recently over the last month and a half, I think, yeah, month and a half, we have been exploring our Jewish roots. And what I mean by that, if you know anything about Christianity, then you know that Christianity arose from the Jewish faith. And there is a lot of 
similarities between them. We've been longing for more in, in, in our relationship with God. And so we've been exploring and kind of testing things out, et cetera. And, but the but problem. The problem is that we recently, and it's happened on more than one occasion, where we've heard people either badmouth the Jews, the Messianic Jews, for saying that, well, they're you know they're 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 preaching another gospel because you have to be circumcised or you have to eat kosher or you have to participate in the feast or you have to celebrate the sabbath and it's happened on on several occasions and i th- i think one of the biggest things is and i could to sum it all up the belief of the mainstream christian church is well, if you're keeping the law, but you say you're saved by Christ, you're just saying Jesus and. So I want to kind of put send that over to Sandra and Landra um, and let's and let's kind of tear that tear into that, because there are some passages within the scripture that do kind of hint at if you um, decide you want to follow the law, you know, that's just the Old Testament. If you decide you want to follow the law, then you're really not following under grace i mean we're under grace we don't need the old covenant the law as we know it is really um you know we point it back to the torah what uh, what we see as the torah the first five books of the of the bible include that but all torah is are it means instructions it means teachings and uh instructions for living um, and so I, we have to look at that and why we were even given this. Um, they were given it to, to demonstrate being a set-apart people. And I think you also have to look at who, who Yeshua is. And Yeshua is the Word. He is the living Torah. So, so we have to... Um, we have to look at these things and, and get some definitions in our mind and set. Um, and I think we also have to look at what is the difference between um, doing the law, if you will, or following the law or living as the, the, these commands and legalism. There, there is a difference. I have recently, I mean, well, recently I can think of two passages that come to mind in co- in context, and one of them is in Galatians 1, where Paul, like, completely shreds and rips apart the Galatians for going back under the law. You know, in uh, chapter 1, it says, you know, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Later on in the book, he says, do you think by that you can, by by works, complete what was started by grace if i if i'm recalling it right so i mean you've got that and then you've got over in colossians where he's like talking about you know the new moons and the sabbath sabbaths and all this sort of thing and so um so let me ask let me let me let me let me take it over to you i mean if someone were to say to you we're not under law take i mean look at the new testament it made that very clear so why should we follow a bunch of, the, of these rules? This is such an important conversation. And I know um, because uh, just for the listeners to understand, Landra and I know each other very well. And we are all family here in this conversation. And I know we're excited about sharing this because it's been a journey for each one of us mm-hmm. at different times. Um, this is an incredibly important question. So let me, let me back up and then answer what, you're, what you just asked me. Some people, when they make these statements, they're saying they're regurgitating something that they've heard somewhere, but they don't really understand what it means, or they didn't really have any sort of conversation with that included any real kind of definition. So some people in the larger umbrella in the Christian community, when you say something about Torah, they meet, they just assume, or in their mind, the way that they throw the word around, if they use it at all they're referring to almost anything from the Old Testament. 
So there's a big there's a big problem with what does this mean? Torah to or if you're, I think if you're saying it correctly, it's actually Torah. <laughs> but I think a lot of people do it both ways. Torah is really the first five books of the Bible: mm-hmm. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is known as the book of the law because a lot of the laws that God gave us are listed there. But then um, the Old Testament, Landra, remind me in the Hebrew, the Old Testament, what's the word for the Old Testament? Tanakh. Right. The Tanakh is the word that includes all of the books. It includes the books of the prophets, it includes the Torah, and it includes the books of the law. Now that we've got a better understanding of what we're talking about here, when, when someone says, we're not under the law, I want you to think for just a moment, and we've already prayed before we started this broadcast. So we're, we're asking each person that's listening to this broadcast, if you haven't heard this information before, or if you think you have some preconceived notions about it, please just say a prayer right now and listen to what we're talking about, and then take it to the Lord and pray about it some more and ask Him to reveal it to you. Amen. Okay. Amen. If you think there's an error, then between you and Lord, so the Lord, sort that out. But we're going to share what we've learned. So when someone says we're not under the law, I want you to think for just a moment, where do you get your idea if you are already a Christian? Where do you get your idea of what right and wrong is? Mm-hmm. Think about that for just a moment. Well, didn't, the, where, didn't Paul say that the, that the law was a schoolmaster? Yes, he did. And that's part of what we need to unpack here. So if you think for a moment, what is right and wrong as a Christian, you have to go to the Old Testament, you have to go to Torah. Okay, Mm -hmm. we have to then say, okay, well, then I thought lying was wrong. Yeah, Torah. I thought stealing was wrong. Yeah, Torah. I thought I'm not supposed to um, get involved with another man's wife. You know, yeah, Torah. I'm not supposed to be jealous of people. Torah. I'm supposed to love. Torah. (laughs) So everything you think you know about how we define good and bad behavior as Christians comes from there. So you can't then just extract and say, oh, well, we're no longer under the law. We're under what Jesus said. We're under grace. But Mm -hmm. this also brings up another problem of definition that people don't seem to understand grace is Torah. Mm-hmm. So here, let's, let's do one more thing. And then you guys can bounce this around a bit. If you don't understand what Torah is, and if you don't understand where this comes from, then you totally don't get the connection that grace and Torah are the same. So instead of thinking of Torah as a bunch of things that were really harsh that we could never possibly live up to, and we're no longer there. You have to recognize all of our behavior that we um, understand as right or wrong comes from there. But that also, this is how God revealed his nature to us. Mm -hmm. If we don't understand that, we don't have any clue about anything. So why are you believing in a God you don't know who he is? If we want to know who he is, which is the very one of the core journeys of maturing as a believer in Yeshua, we need to know who he is. We need to know what he likes. We need to know what brings him joy, what brings him um, sadness, what causes him to grieve in his heart. Because the, we are told in scripture that things cause him to cry, <laughs> that he weeps, that he is oh. saddened, you know. We need to know who he is. And in order to know who he is, we need to go back and read that story. So here's what I say to my clients when I start working with a new client in counseling. The Old Testament, but particularly Torah, is the greatest, most unbelievable, incomprehensible love letter ever written. That's a, that's a very big uh, shift because you look at Torah or you look at um, the books, and all you see is do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that. Well, people don't equate that as a love letter. Correction. That's not all we see. That's what people assume that's there. It's not nothing but do this and do that. So let me just get super short. This is a very short thing. Why do I say that it's the greatest love letter ever written? Because it's the story beginning in Genesis 1 of how God created out of love how there's a lot of evidence that um, God's saying in Hebrew when he created the universe and everything that he created. So God creates out of love, desiring relationship 
with the things that he created, the human beings that he created. Gives them everything. Gives them peace and protection and safety. Gives them a paradise to live in. Gives them free will that he will not violate because he, nobody wants to be loved because you're the only option. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be loved because you've seen the options and yet you chose me. Amen. Okay. So God did all of this out of love, puts man and woman in the garden, says you can have all of this. There's only one thing that you're not allowed to have. And it's this, because if you do that, death will come. And so they chose to totally betray the creator who gave them everything, including his heart. Mm -hmm. They chose to embrace and listen to the father of all lies. And they chose to act on the lies that they were given and betrayed the creator who gave them everything. And yet out of love, he said, okay, here's what's going to happen. You don't even realize what you just set in motion, but here's what's going to happen. I've got a store. I've got a plan already in place. And this is what's going to happen. And the rest of the story unfolds, this journey, this incredible story unfolds of how he loves his people. He calls us out. He has a plan. He gives us salvation, reveals to us what are the problems that separate us from him. He says, I love you so much. I want you to know what causes separation between us and how to avoid that. And yes, I know you're not going to be able to live up to it. When you read it, you're going to go, what? I don't know if I can do this. And he's going to say, yes. And guess what? I've got a Messiah that's coming. And guess how you're going to know who the Messiah is? Because I've written it down in the Brit Karasha. And I've written it down throughout the entire Old Testament. 400 and some odd, 340 some odd prophecies about who Messiah would be. So if you are ignoring Torah, if you are ignoring or minimizing the Old Testament, you don't even know how you're supposed to recognize who the Messiah is. Mm-hmm. This is just the tip of the iceberg of the importance of Torah and the Old Testament. As I, as, as I process that, I think the argument that, I w- that, that, that comes to mind is, yes, we believe in the Ten Commandments, of course, and Jesus expounded on them in the New Testament. What the argument is, is that the, G- the, the Jewish people took the Ten Commandments and then added over 600 man-made laws uh, onto them, and we are not under those ceremonial laws. They didn't just come up with these things. These are all in the Torah, um, all in the first five books of the Old Testament, if you will. And these are, these are 613 commandments um, based on scripture. And they tell us how to live. They're just telling us how to live. Now, I will tell you that out of these 613, okay, well, oh yeah, okay, I'll just go this way. Okay, out of the 613, you have, let's see, 77 that are applicable positive commandments, like do this, right? And you have 194 that are applicable negative commandments, don't do this. And then we have 27, 26, uh, 26 more commandments that are only applicable in Israel. So really, we only have 271 that are applicable today because we, we don't have a temple right now. So we don't have any of those that are applicable. We don't have the Sanhedrin right now. So we don't have any of the punishment laws that are there. So we have, we have knocked it down, if you will, to 271. And even in Deuteronomy, it says, these are not too difficult for you. These, these are not out of reach. And, and there are things that the, the Christian church, truly, they're doing most of them. The ones that they're not doing and following, if you will, are they're not honoring any of the feasts for the majority of the part, nor the Sabbath. So, so those things and probably the kosher laws. So there's only these that, are, that the Christian church is not following. It's just, it's just a matter of teaching them. You know, these are already being followed. In fact, in this conversation, it could be that they're kind of getting a bad rap, if you will, the Christian church. But actually, they're, they have truly tried to stick with doing good, if you will. And most of these follow in that line, just like Sonda said, you know, you 
don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal, you don't do all these things that are, are, are considered bad. But the Torah is where we have to go to find out what in the world bad is and what, what good is not being under, under the law. We are just no longer under the penalty of the law. That, 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 yeah, that verse is completely chopped out, chopped up, but it's the penalty. I want to know how to live. I want to know how to live well. And because we have Yeshua, the Holy Spirit living within us, the penalty has been taken away. And we can now do this in his power. We happen to have the living Torah, this this Torah following Messiah living in us. And we no longer live, but he lives in us. So he is to demonstrate these. We are no longer sinners covered in grace. We are a new creation. So we have this new life, this new ability, right? To, to the, the Torah did not change. Our lives changed. That's what changed. And ha- hallelujah. And glory, glory to him who has given us the Holy Spirit and as, as a token of this renewed covenant for us. And you know what? I'm, I'm sorry, Lander. I just wanted to point out while you, before you continue. She has brought up some of the most important points. And it connects to something she said in her opening statement, which is, we have a tendency as human beings to think of our Bibles as ink on a page. But it is living, it's sharp, dividing even the bone from the marrow. The Word of God is not paper with ink on it. It is the person of Yeshua, Jesus. He is the Word. So when we start cutting and dicing and not applying parts of the Word, we're, re- we're rejecting part of Him. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Landra, I, mean, I just want—I wanted to interject that while you continue, I don't want to inter, um, interfere with your train of thought. I think we have to go back to the idea that the Lord does not change. You know, He has standards, and just because we don't always match them, He does not lower His standard for us. He offered us a way to meet those standards, and of course, that is through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, who now lives in us. And now we have that new life, and we can live, not just live, but live fully. So just to to know that, you know, there, there is not, we did not die to Torah if you will, or tor- but we, we died to Torah's condemnation. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. That's, that's, that I think is kind of the interesting part. So when we are dealing with the passages in the New Testament, then that, uh, I mean, because. Can I share I have, a verse, Trace? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, this is Matthew 5. 16 through 18. I'll say this quickly. The fulfillment of the law. In the, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you truly, until heaven and earth pass away, not a single jot, not a stroke of a pen will disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Mm-hmm. Now, the Torah uh, comes from the word yara. Uh, this is the bullseye, if you will. Okay, And Yeshua is the one who is called the archer. He is the, the one who... Uh, can do it perfectly. And he is the one, yeah, he, he, the, and of course, uh, okay, so the Torah is the mark, right? But we all know that sin is missing the mark, okay? And of course, that's what we're very capable of. But because Yeshua, who is in us, who is the archer, 
you know, he does this through us and he does it perfectly. He, it says, I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Well, that word fulfill in Greek, and it actually means the end uh, in Hebrew, it actually means the end. So the end result, not the end of it. Okay. But the end result, the end result is, uh, and our goal is bullseye. That's the end result. Okay. And that's what he did. He bullseyed this target. And now we, because he is in us, we have this ability now through the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God living through us to fulfill this without condemnation. The Torah did not change. His standards did not change. He's not. He's not going to do that. He is the holy, holy, holy God. And he says, you be holy as I am holy. He said that from the beginning and says it now. And we can now, we can now live as he wants us to live because he is in us. Now, we, have, we are the ones that have changed, not the Torah. And the other thing to consider here is when we do miss the mark, when we do sin, because as we are being perfected in Christ, we are going to sin as we grow, as we grow in the Lord and grow in our relationship with Christ. But now instead of risking death and risking getting nuked, (laughs) now because of what Jesus did for us on the cross by becoming that perfect sacrifice, he completes the whole equation. So now we don't have, we don't have to kill off lambs uh, to sacrifice lambs and rams and so on and so forth. But Jesus is that sacrifice. So all we have to do is come to the Lord and say, father, forgive me. I blew it. And you know what? The Bible says that he washes us white as snow. So there's the fulfillment of the law right there. What the, what the high priest would have to do and the priest would have to do in order to sanctify the people, now it's all fulfilled in Christ. Oh, amen. And you know what, Michael? That is so powerful. Because when we eliminate understanding what God's standard is, Right, And when we eliminate that connection that Landra just laid out so beautifully about how Yeshua is the perfect archer who chooses to do his work through us, and Mm -hmm. now because we are redeemed, because we are saved by the blood of the Lamb, we do now have the Holy Spirit empowering us to do what he asks for us to do. We are also missing the connection of part of the beautiful, miraculous work he's doing in and through us for which we should be so grateful. It's so much that we should be able to praise him for, but all of these, so many of these dots aren't connected. They're missed. So uh, when people may be arguing about and saying, well, I, you know, we're not under the law and I'm not supposed to have to do those things. Well, no, as Lander just pointed out, but you're also missing who Yeshua is. You're also missing understanding what his standards for us are. And you're also missing the connection with the miraculous work that he's executing through us. And so then missing, how would you not only are you missing that but you're you're missing the you're you you're missing the the depth of what what he has done for us yes with this miracle. system of laws you know as you called it living torah you know or or grace i think the 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 issue comes in where when you read especially in paul's letters um, I mean, Paul was 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 known for for dealing with these these issues, and I think what what it is, at least from my reading of them, is that there is a huge misunderstanding. For example, when he says something like, "Well, everything is lawful, but not all things are profitable," to the Christian church, what that means is. I don't have to follow all these things over here. I can do whatever I want to do as long as I don't violate, you know, as long as I stay good with God. Right. Well, how do you stay good with God if you if you refuse to do everything he laid out for you to stay good with God? He just went through this whole love story of explaining 
what is necessary. He says, I love you so much. I want you to understand what causes separation. And if we don't understand what causes separation, one thing we're not going to do is have, we're going to have a more shallow, it results in us having a more shallow gratitude for the sacrifice that was made for us. We also, we aren't going to be able to appreciate the depth and the breadth of that sacrifice that Yeshua gave to us on the tree. If we don't understand how guilty we are, you know, if you accidentally, let's say you go into a grocery store, people in, at least in my experience with ministry, they like metaphors. So let's do a quick metaphor. Let's say you go to the grocery store and the cashier gives you a dime that you were not supposed to get, but you weren't paying attention. So you just pop it in your purse and you walk out. If you are paying attention, you, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to say, oh, wait a minute, that's 10 cents too much. But you, you pay attention and you go out and someone comes out and says, oh, you know, we gave you this and you were supposed to give this back and you didn't. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. And wow, I'm, I'm grateful right. they're not giving me a hard time about it. But that seems like in our understanding, in our culture today, that seems like a pretty relatively small thing. Wow, I'm, I'm so glad that they forgave me for that and I gave it back to them. I didn't mean to walk out that with that extra bag of, <laughs> of uh, frozen right. vegetables. But when you understand that the Bible tells us sin is sin, there's either God in his perfect holiness or there's sin. So when you go into sin territory, you are in sin territory. It's not degrees. Right. So we don't understand. We don't, and I say this to all of my clients, we have a real aversion to understanding and wrapping our heads around how evil evil really is and Mm -hmm. how sinful we really are. Because we think, oh, but I'm not as bad as that other person sitting on the other end of the pew in my church. That person's a drug addict. But yeah. we don't realize we are all the same. That sin is all the same. It separates us from God. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something we had to be cleansed from. So we're missing the gratitude. How much bigger would your gratitude be? Okay, now you had the grocery store example. How much bigger would your gratitude be? If you were accused for something and it came out and the penalty was death, you were going to suffer. You are in jail. You are terrified in jail because that's not a great safe place to be. And all of a sudden, someone shows up and says they paid, they paid the penalty for you. If you, if you understand the, the breadth and height and depth of the penalty that you were supposed to pay, then you will understand and appreciate the sacrifice that Yeshua made on that tree a hundred times more. Mm. I mean, to me, when, when, when I read over the old Testament and I kind of want to step back. Cause when I, when I, before I met either uh, of you, Sandra and Lendra, before I met either of you, I had a aversion, not so much the old Testament. I believed it was the word of God, but when I would run across passages of, if this person does this, then they have to die. Okay, or, you know, if someone is being rebellious or whatever, whatever, you know, your kid is being rebellious and you haven't gotten in control of them or and so they have to die or a prophet comes and and, and rips someone up, uh, uh, up and down and and rapes them a new one. My 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 first reaction was like, yeah, that's the God of the Old Testament. That that's that's the harsh God. What? And I think a lot of people have that opinion. I think a lot of people look at that and they say, well, that's mean. God is mean. And I don't want anything to do with that. Well, I think we have to look at the the payment for these things, too. And also just what in the world the sacrifices were for. Um, because, I mean, one, you know, we were, we were saying that we are no longer under the penalty of the law. Um, and, of course, there are harsh penalties. But it has always been God's desire, and it has always been our desire here and there, you know, to draw near to God. And in order to draw near a holy God, the holy God, uh, you know, he's dangerous. And being near him puts you in jeopardy, okay? And so you cannot approach him without a covering. And this covering, the Lord allowed the substitution, if you will, of the animals, 
right. Okay. Now, and then he used, if you will, the covering of Yeshua. Now, if it was just a matter of convenience for us, he would have never allowed that to happen to his son. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? If we, if all we really needed was to just slaughter animals in order to be near God, that would just be a complete waste of all that Yeshua had to go through. Yes. And to combine metaphors, if all it was, was you accidentally put a dime in your change purse that someone accidentally gave to you, it would not have required the sacrifice of God. But because all sin is sin, anything apart from God's perfect holiness is sin. It requires a completely different approach, a completely different level. Landra, go ahead. You need a covering. Instead of just a covering, he gave us a whole new life. And now we are hidden with Yeshua and we can draw near and live this new life. And if we are going against Torah, if we are going against the holy commands of God, then we are living a new life uh, in a sinful way. Does that make sense? Like, okay, sin is, is nomos in um, Greek is Torah, is the law. But enomos, I think is what it is, is with, without, being, without having Torah. And it states that we must... In, see, it's First John. Let me just get there. That way, I can just quote it correctly. And while, and while you're looking into that, Landra, um, you know, as I as I as I think back, you know, because of the biggest argument that, that that I can see when when we look at this, the sacrifices and all that kind of stuff, is well, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, the veil separating the holy of holies from everything else so therefore if the veil was torn wasn't god saying we don't need because christ already paid uh uh uh, the price and 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 poured his blood out on that tree doesn't that mean then we don't need all those rules and that and the systems and all that kind of stuff we do need the the rules and systems in order to live like i said the torah hasn't changed but we have he died so that we could be brought near always this is uh, for everyone who practice. This is First um, John three four. Who everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. That's Torahlessness, and sin is Torahlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So anytime it references the law in the New Testament, it's talking about the Torah. Oh yeah. Well, most of the time, yes, yes. You have uh, some, some references to law are man-made laws. And you, you alluded to that at the very beginning, that there's all these laws and all these. Well, there's thousands upon thousands of man-made laws. And those are the laws that Yeshua went against. And I, am, I will dare to say that our man-made laws in the Christian faith, he goes against as well. Now, there are, well, anything that we've made up. <laughs> like we don't need to follow Torah. <laughs> That's one. Or we don't need to follow the commands of the Lord, or we're not under that, or these new holidays that we've put in place. Or I mean, we could go on and on and on. But the point is, none of us is without guilt. We must get back to his pure standard, uh, which is found in the Torah. What Yeshua went against was you're doing all these man-made things. You're putting all this pressure on the people, and you you can't even yeah you can't even do it. And the like the ceremonial washing. Okay, well that's a man-made law, but they put fences around the Torah so that no one would uh, break it. I mean, they were just trying to protect the people. What is yeah. that? Le- Levitical versus rabbinical. That's what law. I was just going to say, just so our un- listeners understand that. That's the rabbinical law versus biblical law. And you have to also, though, you know, we have to be very careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater because there are some very good laws that man has put in place, if you will, um, that 
point back to the Torah. But as long as they point back to the Torah, they, they definitely uh, deserve to be looked at. Can you give an example of that, Landra? Yeshua did it all through the Sermon on the Mount. He developed uh, fences, if you will, for us to follow. And for instance, adultery. You know, he said, even if you look at someone in an adulterous way, you have committed adultery. And, you know, he's, he's trying to protect us. Don't do it. It's just going to lead to bad. You know, that's what he's saying. And so, and Yeshua, this may be a whole nother uh, study, but he learned under the Pharisees. You know, are the Pharisees, were they really bad? You know, they believed in punishment and rewards uh, after death. They believed, you know, that we should follow God's commands. Paul never turned his back on his Pharisee uh, life. Yes. Mm. He declared it rather loudly. I'm glad you brought that up, Landra. Well, how, how do you how do you figure that? Because I mean, it seems like when, when uh, if you're talking about Paul, he was. I mean, I know he 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 studied under uh, Gamaliel, who and he was like one of the top echelon of the Pharisees, so to speak. But he pretty much said, "I count that all as rubbish compared to knowing Christ." So that kind of sounds to me like he said, "You know what." I don't want to follow. You know what I'm saying? It almost sounds like by him, him, him doing what he was doing, um, that he actually did turn away from that stuff. Now, if you if you take and I want Lander to handle this, but if you take that one verse out of context and don't read the rest of what he said, mm-hmm. <laughs> that may sound kind of convincing. But that's not what he said elsewhere. So, Landa, okay. Landra, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So here's some things that. Paul talked about Torah. Here's here's some here's some things that he said. He said in Romans 2, you should be doers of the law because they are justified before God. In Romans 3, faith stabilizes the Torah. It's all about faith. We're from the seed of Abraham. Okay, Abraham was saved by faith. I mean, if you look through all the the patriarchs all saved, it's all about faith. They had faith and obedience to the Torah. And who is the Torah? Yeshua. Okay, so they didn't have a name for him. They knew he was God's salvation because that's what the Torah is. It keeps you safe. And that's Yah's salvation. So anytime you see the word salvation in the Old Testament, that is the word and name Yeshua. So that's what you're reading. Okay, anyway, back to this. Okay, so Torah to him was holy, righteous, and good. That's Romans 7. The Torah is spiritual, Romans 7. He concurs with the law in inner man, Romans 7. Keeping the commands is the most important thing, 1 Corinthians Corinthians 7. Torah is good, 1 Timothy. Keep Torah. Keep Torah, Timothy. That was in 1 Timothy 6. So this, I mean, he just goes on and on. and, And he even, I know we're running short on time here, but he had accusations made against him in Acts 21. Okay. They were saying, Oh, Paul, you know, they're talking about you. They're saying you don't have to follow Torah. You don't have to do these things. You know, this is all being said about you. What say you, you know? And they said, well, we got an idea. There are some people under the Nazarite vow and we think you need to get with them so that you can prove to everyone once and for all that you are not denying Torah. You're not telling people to go against Torah and you should pay for their, their sacrifices that they're going to have to take to the altar. Because when you have a Nazarite vow, you have to finish it with a sacrifice. And he, did he say, no, 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 we're not under Torah anymore. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to prove that. He didn't say that. He said, you're right. I'm going to go do that. So he went and paid for every sacrifice there was to be made. Oh, Wow. Now, that I was not aware of. That's interesting. No, me neither. That is interesting. And he did that just to close the mouths of the naysayers. You know, it would be very tempting to say, well, he sides with the Gentiles, you know. But what he told the Gentiles was, you go and you do these things because, um, and Peter said this too. This was in Acts 15. He said, you need to do these four things just so you can fellowship with 
the Jews. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up because Peter didn't tell them necessarily you have to follow all these bazillion laws. He just said you got to do four things. He said, let's see, abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. And this would be the start because of their relationship with the Jews. Okay, so you got some leery Jews over here and you have Gentiles who don't even know what clean means. And all Peter is doing is saying, all right, we have got to get together. There has to be fellowship. Jews, you got to feel comfortable with the Gentiles. Gentiles, you better know what in the world's going on at least a little bit. And, and to show respect to the Jews. Salvation comes through the Jews. Even Yeshua said that. So they had, they had to fellowship. And in order to at least begin fellowship, they had to follow these four. That's like, that's like the, the basic, right? And then Peter said, for Moses, this is the very next verse, 21, we're, char- we're in 15, verse 21. For Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him. Okay, Moses was known as the Torah. It, he, he's the one who brought it down from them. Since he is read in the synagogue every Sabbath. Okay, so they're saying, do these four things so we can have fellowship with you and everybody's going to be okay with it. And then the rest of the time, you just go on Shabbat, you go on Sabbath, go to the tabernacle or the temple, you'll hear, you'll hear, and then you'll know what to do. So it's, it's a beautiful picture of grace. Part of the reason we have trouble understanding this, part of the reason that this got dropped off the radar, or in some cases willfully eliminated in churches, is because people are not reading their Bibles. People are going to a church where most of the church churches that I hear about, that I've been to myself, and that counseling clients tell me about, They go to church, Mm -hmm. they hear one verse, and then they hear 20 or 30 minutes on a verse. Amen to that. Or on some sort of a principle. But if you're not reading the whole of the letter, if you're not reading all of Romans, then you're missing where he says, don't you dare get an attitude about you being grafted in because someone was broken off for you to be in. And you could be broken back off. You need to understand what's been done and being, you need to understand your place in where we were given a seat at the table, how there was people love to forget that there was a great debate whether Gentiles were even going to be allowed. You know, we need to come at this with an attitude of humility and priority of scripture, understanding what Yeshua has given us Mm. the instructions to do, but it's all about the heart. See, and that's one of the things. When he gave the stories through the beginning in Torah and through the rest of the Old Testament, he was laying out the journey, and that journey reveals the relationship. So everything about Yeshua is not ticking the box. So when he points out, okay, like you guys have brought up already, when he points out and says, you say that it's not right to, you know, have another man's wife, but I tell you, if you even look on another man's wife, you've already committed, if you've even thought about it, if you've even thought about committing murder— You've already done it. He took it another step up. He didn't take it backwards and say, forget the law. Oh, all those standards, all those are all passe now. You can do everything and just ask for repentance. That's not what he did. He took it another step up. I'm giving you, and it goes back to what Landra was saying. We are given the ability to do what God has called us to do because his Mm. spirit dwells in us, because we are now the temples of the Holy Spirit, because this powerful sacrifice has been made for us. Mm. And because I teach spiritual warfare, it's one of the things I say to every single client. Salvation itself is a supernatural event. We need to understand what that means. We underst- if we don't understand the darkness that he defeated, then we don't understand the depth of the sacrifice. If we don't understand how sinful we have actually been, we don't understand how much gratitude we should have Amen. every time we are yeah. allowed to approach the throne. We can pray whenever we want. Oh, my gosh. The veil has been torn. Hallelujah. And we don't have to go through a priest to do it either. Amen. Amen. I want to I ask this, and I want to kind of get 
um, everybody's take, and then I'll kind of chime in as we uh, wind down, because I know we're getting close. I want to ask this. Why do you think the church has been so separated from the? Why do you think the church is so willfully antagonistic? Almost. Yeah. Why? 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 Why has the church been so antagonistic to uh, the Hebrew roots or the keeping of the Torah or the law? Mike, I want to start with you. Well, I think it. A lot of it goes back to the early Catholic Church, because the Catholic Church originally was started with uh, Constantine and his mother, I believe. And so they form this man-made religion. They take all the festivals, that uh, all the pagan festivals that they have, and they Christianize them, and they don't want anything to do with the Jews. So they sit there and, oh, well, you know, you know, let, you know you're Jewish, you need to you know, you need to get lost or we're going to burn you at the stake or eat, feed you to a lion or, or whatever. Okay. And, you know, so I, I think, I think it starts there and, you know, with them being God's chosen people, uh, obviously that's not something God is cool with. Just to kind of expand on that, it, it was a matter of survival and because uh, the Romans had control, and then that was coupled with the, the the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church, and so there was there was a control factor, and they there was a lot of animosity toward the Jews, and so over you know several centuries that started brewing and the killing, uh, and so the Christians, you know, Christianity was used to be just a sect of Judaism, but then as as this started becoming more clear, well, they had to, they had to separate. They felt like they had to separate for, um, for their own life sake. Okay. So they're, they're leaving. So they had to change everything. And if you, you know, remember, and if we think about, okay, the Torah was given to the, to Israel, not just to the Jews, but to Israel to um, show them as separate and holy and a, a people of, of God, right? They were, they were uh, the possession of God. And in, in order for, once, once they had to separate from the, the Jews, they had to uh, develop uh, a, a, a holiness, if you will, um, apart from these things. Uh, and so now we have the stronger side, you know, we'll take a lot of what we learned, but we, we have to make them different in order to maintain holiness and be in good standing. So, you know, there, I think there was a mix in translation. There was a chopping to make things suitable in the word to what, you know, our standards are now uh, and our rules of engagement with the Lord. The whole point of our being part of the Commonwealth of Israel um, and, of course, being grafted in, you know, we forget about that we could lose that grafting in. We call ourselves Israel and almost have this replacement theology going on. Just And it's still a matter, if you will, of self-saving. It's like, how can we make this right? You know, but what I believe the Lord is doing is he is taking, he, and, and to remember also that he is still very, he is sovereign. He knows what's going on. And I believe he is bringing his truths back into play and he's opening eyes of all Jews and Gentiles or Jews and non-Jews alike. And he is making us one again. But I, I think that's how it all stemmed. It's just fear. It's all fear. But then on top of that, there is, of course, I always notice these things, right? <laughs> the spiritual warfare aspect. On top of that, laying mm. on top of that, the other dimension is at work. Mm. And what Landra laid out about, um, you know, with Constantine so and the transfer from the, you know, from the Romans and, and what we know as the early church. Mm. Yeah, a lot of Christianity today the larger umbrella of the Christian church completely forgets Christianity was not a separate religion. It was a group of believers within the Jewish community. 
They recognized, right, they recognized the prophetic indications that were given through all of what? The Old Testament that said Jesus Christ was the foretold Messiah. So it takes us back again to the value of the Old Testament. If we don't understand that, then what are you worshiping? You are supposed to know what you're worshiping. And if you can't define that, then you are really set up Mm -hmm. as a prime, as prime pickings for the Lord of darkness to deceive you. You need to know why is it that we say Jesus is the Messiah? Do you know? Can you point to the prophecies that prove it? (laughs) Do you recognize how old those prophecies are? Do you recognize how many of them there are? Do you recognize how specific that they are? So this takes us all again back Mm. full circle, back to the Torah. But the other thing is that during this early, what is referred to as the early Christian period at the formation of the Catholic Church and where Constantine and all of that stuff, Think of it from a spiritual warfare aspect. If you are the forces of darkness and you want to do everything you can to one, stick it to God himself, and two, harm all these little beings that you can't stand that God loves. One of the things that would be top on your list would be do everything in your power to separate these little beings from the Yeshua Messiah Savior that was sent to repair the relationship. So there's clearly a military strategic aspect from the dark side on how history has unfolded. Mm. That that in itself is is something um that in itself is something I think and you know I think in wrapping up, um, because obviously there are a lot of different areas we could go into. We could talk about Peter and the white sheet and him bringing down all the uh God bringing down all the animals and going, "Rise Peter and eat." And Peter's like, "Uh-uh, I ain't touching that." You know, we could, I mean, there's many aspects to this that we have yet to, 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 to delve into. And, you know, we may have to come back and, and, and touch on this further because there's obviously a lot more, uh, to this. But I think in wrapping up, as I think over this question and I think over everything that we have talked about today, it is, I, I go back to something and I don't know if it was either you, Sondra, or you, Lander, or maybe both of you guys that someone mentioned to me and, it really changed everything as far as how I view it. Okay. I am no longer, it is not no longer a Jesus. And, and now I have to obey the law for me, for me, it is no longer Jesus. And well, Jesus and includes nothing because if you are adding anything to Christ, then you are no longer saved by grace alone through faith alone. Okay. Um, But it, what it is, is as I read through and I'm starting to learn it is a, well, I get to. Yeah. Okay. I get to understand on a deeper level. I get to learn of the God who, 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 who laid everything out thousands of years before I was even born. Mm. And when we're talking about law versus grace, we need the law. We need it so that we can know how to operate. You know, we are living in a sin sick, fallen, disgusting, and screwed up world. You know, as my as my friend Jan likes to say, we live in a gravelly world. Mm. Okay, if we're living there, then we better darn well know how to operate. We have been justified. That 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 point needs to be made. That we have been justified, and that is separate from being sanctified. Okay, so we've been justified, and now we must know how to live as sanctified. And in in this dark world, there must be light, and Yeshua is the light of the world, the living Torah. And just like children, you know, it's not like you immediately have to adhere to every 271 laws. There is grace there. This is what this is what we're finding. I mean, we're not eating kosher at present. It's something we're exploring. Mm-hmm. I know, but it's not. You know, we're we're, it's we're awesome. We we are keeping the Sabbath and we are and we are participating in the feast. That's what we're doing. And you know something? I find there's a joy there as I do it. It is so oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yes, cool. Let's do this. Shabbat is awesome. I mean you know, so I just I really guys, I thank you all for this round table. It needed to be dealt with. And I you know, again, I think One sec, Teresa. Let me interrupt for just half a sec. Mm -hmm. To the people that sparked this whole thing, please understand we are not judging you. What we are trying to do is to open your eyes Mm 
to what's really there and to what to what the truth of this is because there's a truth that's been hidden from you for centuries but Amen. it's right there underneath your nose open up the, the open up the first five books of the of the bible and start reading You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.